0: all right all right right. welcome back to another episode of to the fullest with jason frober today we have author and songwriter danny goldie jr goldstein on the podcast welcome danny how you doing today my brother hey what's up buddy how are you i'm doing great man just surviving this little uh corona outbreak hanging out doing the quarantine hoping to end this thing as soon as possible man how you doing
1: Uh, same thing man everybody's kind of dealing with the same situation and it's uh, a pretty interesting time to to be alive you know lots of uh, just new new day things going on all the time so uh, yeah we just my wife Alice and I just been dealing with it like everybody else and it's been pretty interesting Um, for me I think that uh, it probably affects me less on a day-to-day than a lot of people because I have a neurological disease called Charcot-Marie-Tooth and it's a CMT for short. Sure. About one in 2,500 people get it a year. It's uh, hereditary and uh, for me, it affects my lungs. So for like the last 20 years or so, Every time flu season comes around, they're like, oh, you gotta take a flu shot, try to stay out of crowds. So I've always been very uh, cognizant of a lot of this stuff that's going on now. A lot of times I'm at a show and I'm trying not to like talk too close to people, or if I shake someone's hand, I won't touch my face until I can go wash my hands. So in that regard, I've been living this uh, this life kind of before it was cool. and. Uh, <laughs> you know um it's it's been pretty wild because they tell me every year oh you got to take a flu shot they tell everybody you know kind of like the same situation everybody does compromise help to get a flu shot the problem is i got a flu shot and never been sicker in my life than when i got the flu shot so i ever since i did that i didn't take the flu shot again and that's been about eight years now so i have just uh Every time, I'm even more careful. So with that going on, it's been, you know, pretty much the same because I'd be doing a lot of those things. But it's just a whole nother level, you know, remembering to wear a mask when we go out, you know. And I've just been, uh, my whole going out has been compromise of going down the elevator at my place, going in my van, and just sitting in there while Alice goes into the store and she's washing her hands like. Howard Hughes or something and, you know, putting gloves on and masks and getting suited up. It's just a, it's really like living in a movie. Very weird.
0: It is, right? You know, I just, I, we've been watching uh, Apocalypse movies as much as possible, stuck in quarantine, man. But, you know, you go outside and see everybody in uh, in masks and all the uh, supplies are just gone and its uh, it's an yeah. interesting time to live in. You know, like actually I was out hanging out with my pop the other day and we're just looking around uh, and we noticed there is not a plane in the sky you know and it it, it it started to come back now but when it was really uh the beginning of April or so it, I've never seen that you know, in my whole life I've never seen the point where you look up in the sky there's no trails there's no planes there's no air traffic of any kind it was a uh, it was it was a pretty trip and I and you know we both made the uh we had the realization that's probably the only time in our lives is we'll ever see that again. You know, where there's no air traffic flying over constantly. I mean, I live right I live right by McCarran Airport, so I'm always seeing planes and I'm always seeing the trails. And, you know, I'm
2: just I'm just of
0: myself. yeah, so you know,
1: I made a joke to, uh, to Alice the other day. We were driving down eastern and we were gonna turn west on Sunset, and I go, Hey, babe, do you want to go and in- not watch the planes land. Ha! You know? Yeah, we used to love doing that. Yeah, just pretty wild. And then, uh I don't know, it's just like a Generation X thing. We have seen some crazy things, man. Like growing up without the internet. And then, you know, we get in our 20s, and all of a sudden, all this stuff that was hard is now easy. But then you see, like, I have little nephews that are six and eight years old. And I realized, man, they're, they're like, literally learning to, to run before they know how to crawl because okay. of technology. So, you know, it really tripped me out because he saw a, a black and white cartoon one day and he was mesmerized by it. <laughs> like to him, seeing something black and white was like us seeing something, you know, with a high five for the first time, just really wild. It's a whole different uh, environment for a younger generation. And now we have this, it just uh-huh. just really
0: okay.
1: Yeah, I think mean, could you imagine when Keep going, keep going. I am just saying, could you imagine when we if we were teenagers and this had happened, say in seventh or eighth grade and they said, Okay, check it out. We're gonna cancel half of the school year and you can't go out and do do anything it, <laughs> I, I would have been like fourteen year old me would have been like uh that's not happening.
0: Oh yeah, I'd be losing my mind if yeah. I was a teenager. I feel bad for those guys. They're they, you know, those kids have got to be losing their frigging minds with all those hormones pumping through, and they got to, they just want to go out and take the fucking world by the horns, and they're stuck at home in quarantine. And it's just terrible. Yeah,
1: with their parents, with that their... everybody pretty much hates in their t- teenage years, you know. Yeah. Like, what could be worse?
0: That's when you're of elegance. And then authority. people are you know, they're just like,
1: there's every level of hatred on this thing on no matter what view you have, there's just so much negativity out there and oh, people are just like immunizing these kids that go out. But it's like, man, just think, think back, you know, 20, 30 years, what you would be thinking. It's uh, a really a lot to take in
0: yeah totally i mean yeah, I, I see it in my neighborhood man like i uh, it actually brings a smile to my face i see a lot of these kids they they're riding up and down the block on all kinds of different wheelie jobs that they got and uh playing basketball and you know everyone's just like uh, living their life you know it's 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 good to yeah. see and, you know, they're enjoying themselves and and not t- not taking shit too seriously i know it's a a pandemic and everything but like people need their sanity too and it's good to see kids outside playing with their neighbors and, you know, everyone's not in that whole fear situation that, uh, I don't know, the yeah. the world tries to put you in where you think everybody's coming to get you, you know, and it's not happening.
1: I know. It's just all of this uh, conflicting information, all of these things that don't add up. It's just, you know, just the narrative and all the rhetoric is just a lot to deal with. <laughs> I just can just I just laugh at it. It's, it's like just too it. you know, it's like everybody's in a state of like you wanna be a little bit scared, but not all the way scared and you you wanna say this is all BS but then you're like, Well if I'm wrong, then I look like a complete idiot And especially for me, I have to be careful anyway. Oh, yeah. So it's it's crazy.
0: Well, I mean, the whole world's being shut down. I'm pretty sure it's not uh, made up. As much as people want to believe that, uh, you know, it's just some kind of crazy grand conspiracy to keep us in our houses, people are dying and they're getting sick all over the world. And, you know, it's it's a disease. And it might be uh, not as dangerous as people make it out to be, but it's still, it's out there fucking killing people, man. You know, and it's shut down the whole world. It's no joke. It's definitely no joke.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's for sure. It's just the only, the, the most skeptical part I have of it is nothing has ever been covered in a way that is so sensationalized. Like, oh, yeah. because this started happening, the way this has happened, it made me start really looking into some things. I never would have imagined that 80,000 people died in the states of the flu last year. I would have never known that. I knew the flu does kill people with compromised health like myself and older folks and stuff. But, you know, up until this point, our whole uh, answer to that as a society is, well, you know, if you're really sick, you should stay at home. So you see somebody working sick and they're like, well, I can't afford to be, be home. And they're like, most people are like, oh, okay, that's fine. Or, you know, cough into your cough into your arm. And that was the extent of it, you know?
0: Yeah, you just never, you know, it's uh, it's dangerous out there, man. Uh, there's all kinds of shit killing everybody, and uh, I mean, you know, you just look at uh, heart-related illness and people just dying from uh from cardiac arrest and uh, and that kind of illness, and it's, it's just insanely high numbers. You know, everybody's just fucking dying from their heart stopping all the time, and uh, nobody seems to want to do anything about that. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously doctors are working their asses off, but no fucking terrified, and they're all still going to McDonald's fucking smashing Big Macs, you know, and it's like that's that shit's fucking killing everybody, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're, you know, we're worried about little bullshit. It's just uh, – I, I think it's just sensationalism blowing up things because it's a hot new – topic to talk yeah. about and we're just going to blow away the fuck out of proportion but who knows like the
1: main thing i've been saying you know since this started really is that you know people say you can't compare it to the flu because it's much more dangerous and it's much more contagious and then just like i was saying okay so our answer to the flu was basically nothing to cough into your arm yeah right wash your hands you're a little bit of that so now we're using social distancing, wearing masks, washing our hands, wearing gloves. I would think that that would bridge the gap between contagion, but you know what I mean? Like how much more contagious can it be when you catch it the same exact way as you catch the flu? You catch this by being around somebody that's infected too close, and you catch it by touching the surface and then touching your face, just like the flu. <laughs> Yeah. So there's, you know what I mean? It seems like, you know, people that are able-bodied and healthy could definitely be working, especially if they're social distancing and, and they're using those precautions. It seems like it would be even a healthier environment than we normally live in. And then just on the state level, on a city level, we're all, you know, being told to stay home, but we have 2,000 people working on a stadium. And, are you, you know, even if they're, I drove by it. I drove by it. It took 10 seconds to drive by. And I saw some guys that were definitely pretty close and without mask on because they're working. They're using the same porta-potties. They're eating off the same trucks. So if you're going to tell me 2,000 people isn't a problem when we're supposed to not even go visit our siblings, you know, it just what gives, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so contradicting to me.
0: Well, and I think, you know, a lot of it uh, just has to do with, you know, we don't we can't stop these fucking things, you know, these viruses. And so they just try to put as many yeah. as many uh, barriers up as we can. But then it's like society still has to exist. Uh, you know, people still have to be able to get food and all these things. So it's like it's a hard thing. It's a fine line. And, and you know, I don't think anybody knows what we really should be doing you know we're just doing the best that we can uh for the dumb monkeys that we are you know and um i always like to say uh anytime people start bringing up crazy uh conspiracies or like uh giant plots by the government that a lot of times more often than not you know it's um it's incompetence uh, and error, and people trying to cover up their own in- human mistakes, you know as opposed to trying to uh, yeah. uh you know evil mastermind some scenario it's it's, <laughs> it's usually just someone fucked up really bad uh, they gotta fucking fix it and hide it and blame it on someone else and, sh- and you know blame shift and get the media to cover it up and and it just turns into this big uh, this big mess of misinformation. you have no idea what the fuck's going on.
1: Well, that's the thing now, like, people, no matter what you want to share, whether it's left, right, or in in the middle, the critics of whatever that thought process will say, oh, well, look at this source that you're using, right? So the other day, we had a bit of an exchange with somebody I did on Facebook. I forget what the exact thing was, but their source, their credible source was CNN. And I'm like, well, (laughs) how can CNN be considered? A credible source, I'm like, uh, you know, you know that they like things, and then they, you know, they, they were ragging on whatever source I use, which happened to be like a small independent source, but I'm like, you know, you, you have a legit, uh, you know, thing there, you have an, a legit point because this is a, not a well known publication, but at least, at least this publication isn't being called out for lying and misleading people on a big scale. So the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. You know, people talk about conspiracy theories, and I know some of it's completely nuts, but there's also, you know, conspiracy theory to me means using critical thinking. Like, if you don't believe what you're being told, you need to research what's going on. And when things don't add up, or like I I saw a great quote the other day, He said something to the effect I'm gonna murder the uh the great wording of it but they basically said you know how many coincidences can there be before something is a mathematical impossibility yeah. you know and so i start looking at different things and i won't get into it now but it's like wow you know it looks like there could be something more than just you know a bat bit somebody oh yeah <laughs> or somebody ate a bat <laughs> Well, you never know. I mean,
0: uh, you know, you had the entire uh, population of China rising up against the uh, Chinese government and waving American flags and demanding democracy. And then the next thing you know, all of a sudden, everybody's sick and quarantined on their homes and they're blasting fucking bleach on the streets instead of blasting their own people with fucking water cannons and mace. Yeah. You know, and it's just like they had a they were losing control uh, big time. And they were going to extreme measures, you know, they were, they were basically fucking killing people over there to shut down these protests because they were losing control. And now all of a sudden, you know, like right when that goes down, uh, you know, a plague fucking shuts the whole country down. And it's like, that is very convenient. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not like a one plus one equals two thing, but, uh, like you said, there can only be so many coincidences before things, you know, just, just, just are undeniable, you know,
1: but. There's a major, there's a a major different thought process between like a lot of governments and ours. And you could say all you want about our government and not even with Trump or Obama, which are polar opposites, but you know, our government, no matter what, for the most part in the world, it's arguably one of the best places to live, you know, and that's because we have more freedom than most places in the world, and the places that are used to controlling their people, you know, like in China. Like China's thought process is like they want people to look at China as one thing. Like all the people are one thing, and you make decisions based on the on the good of that one. Thing. So if like you know the, the the people like look at things like. China is the most important thing and society is the second most important thing, but individuality and your own worth is way down the list. You know, it's not like we think of things as like, each life is a valuable, precious thing and you do whatever you can to sustain it. Out there, it's more like, if we gotta get rid of these million people and the other 79 billion or whatever continue to live, then that's what we do, you know? And it's almost as if if, if the individual is, is, is uh, listening to that system, they would almost live their own life for the better of everything else. So, you know, we have a different way of thinking there, but that model that China has makes it a hell of a lot easier to control a huge population of people than our model, which is like, you know, screw you, I'm gonna like, do what I can for myself and my family. You know, a lot of people here are down to help other people and we're definitely like a giving society. You know, you see beautiful examples of that every day, but most people are not going to put their own family in danger before helping someone else, you know? Yeah. So, you to know, let like sure. your own kid, starve to death to feed another kid. Of course not. You know, but people criticize our government, especially like what's going on right now. I'm gonna cut off funding here, cut off funding there. Because people here, you know, like our vets and stuff are dying, can't get simple necessities. So, you know, that's the one thing. If there's a conspiracy theory about all this, there is a huge part of the planet that would rather have their people think of like set up in China as being the example rather than the example we show where there's freedom. And that's what scares me on a on a big level. Well, you know, and I
0: think a lot of those people just aren't capable of taking care of themselves at this point, you know, or they're more concerned with uh with the large uh population of people that are incapable of taking care of themselves. And uh, you know, that's uh that's a real problem that we're going to be facing and it's going to become uh, more and more of a problem as we go into the future and things become more automated and you know the robots start taking over all the the warehouse jobs and the simple service industry jobs it's uh there's going to be a lot of people that we as a society need to figure out how we're going to take care of because there's just not going to be anything for some of these people to do uh, and uh and whether we like it or not you know we can't just let you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of our own citizens just fall to the wayside and we're starting to see it now you know with the what is there sixty thousand plus people in california that are homeless uh, it's just like yeah. what are we doing man as a society we need to be doing something about that stuff. that's not going to get any better and uh and i think the whole uh, uh you know taking you know i, I take care of number one and uh, everyone else can fuck off and die is is not going to be a sustainable system you know i mean it's, it's it's proving itself over and over again that that greed and that um uh you know individual need over the greater good of our own society ends up being uh a detriment almost you know you see how uh like the toilet paper thing is a great example of that you know just people's greed and um not caring for other people. They just went and took as much toilet paper as they could possibly fit in their vehicle. They didn't go and... I I mean, I went and got toilet paper, but I went and got enough until I counted how much toilet paper I was going to need for three months. And I got three months worth of fucking toilet paper. Problem solved. I didn't fill my truck with, you know, fucking a six-year supply of toilet paper so that there's no fucking toilet paper for anybody else to go get. And and that attitude, I think, is, is becoming a big issue I, and, and it's promoted it's promoted big time in our culture and the whole everybody gets a trophy and you can be anything you know growing up they just say anything you can dream of being you can be you're so special uh, and it's like man yeah to a certain extent in America you can but uh, not everybody gets to be a fucking quarterback for the uh, for the Patriots you know that we need people doing all jobs and all jobs are not bad jobs and that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, can't look down on people because they fucking, uh, uh you know, clean a building, you know? Custodial work is a very crucial part of uh, every every single fucking system, and those people deserve just as much respect as the people at the top, you know? The fucking CEO is no different than the custodian. That's a human being, and they deserve respect, and they deserve a living wage and, and, and to be taken care of, you know? They don't need to be put in this situation where I'm not getting a check next week, and all of a sudden... <laughs> well, there goes my whole fucking existence because I barely make enough to fucking scrape by and, you know, people are yeah. doing the payday loan thing and it's just like, it's just, it's just not fair, man. People don't need to be getting just enough, you know? Like, they should be getting enough yeah. to survive and put some money away and work on something, you know? Like, fucking CEO, you know, people at the top don't need to make $50 million and then they pay the the 1,000 workers they make each fucking $10 an hour it's just like, that's, that's so ridiculous. You can give up $20 million a year. You don't need that extra 20 million. Your fucking people that work underneath you need that money. They need it. You, you just want it, you know? And that, that greed is, is a real detriment, I think, to our society. And I think it's gonna, if we don't do something about it, I think it'll collapse us all, uh, ultimately, you know? But- I mean, there's, there's so
1: many uh, factors involved in that. Like, everybody wants to buy cheap stuff i don 't mean cheap quality, but they want to pay the cheapest price you know so then you know you have the Walmarts of the world that come in and they they take all these companies that make stuff and they tell them you know we 'll buy this much, but you have to do this and this and it 's always you know nothing ever gets better in quality it 's always made cheaper and cheaper, and they 're going to charge just as much as they can for it to be a little bit cheaper than the other guy and put them out of business. But, you know, I've always tried to go to the the next tier, a tier higher than that. I love to try to help uh, small businesses. I have a small business, you know, and those sort of things whenever possible, then just going to the very cheapest thing. And it's like there's capitalism that has, you know, there's like responsible good capitalism, which I believe in capitalism. Like a perfect example, Is I I always use this like you've in and out burger, right? Great example. And you you go there, and what's up?
0: That's a great example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, You know, they're a pretty big company. They're not as big as McDonald's, but they're a big company. Nobody's getting a nobody that owns in and out is going broke. But you know, they start their people off at a decent wage. They give them health benefits, and uh, you know, it shows in the way they work. You go to In-N-Out and it's like a fine old machine. You know, it's like, you can tell. I've never been to In-N-Out where I saw like a bunch of miserable people. Everyone seems to have a a smile on their face and they're going on. It looks like they feel like they're being treated decently, you know, unless there's some kind of evil rumor like you're going to act like this, you know, which I don't think there is. And then you have other places, you know, like the McDonald's of the world, which have gotten better over the years from what I hear, but it's always just that corporate bottom line greed that like what you were saying, it doesn't work unless it works for everyone. There's always gonna be a high and a low. I'm not saying we can all be equal, but there's definitely a sweet spot where everybody's like, "Go, oh, okay, and it, all it does is create a better work environment and it's customers happier and we should try to turn that whole thing around about, you know, oh, I can get it a dollar cheaper at Walmart. Well, you know, in the long run, is it cheaper when you think of all the different situations that get caused there, you know? Do you want to support a company that actually puts life insurance on, you know, regular employees, you know, like porters and and cashiers and stuff, and if they die, they get the money, not even the family? It's crazy, you know? Yeah, that's a... If a small business business owner did that... They'd
0: be thrown in jail. Yeah, and that's it's sad stuff. Yeah, and that's the, you know that's the other problem with it is is uh, big companies like that they just have the money to hire infinite lawyers and keep things constantly in appeal. So it's like pointless to even uh, even attack these people, and then they lobby yeah. the shit out of the government so that whatever they want to do they just can do it. You know, and they'll just make it the law of the land. I mean, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah. You know, that's a it's a huge problem with uh, uh, everything. You know, is is that. Uh, fucking people just keep voting these corrupt ass motherfuckers into office and I don't understand it man and I I really hope like this next generation, this next wave of people they they seem to be kind of aware of the situation going on over there finally you know it's not just like I I think as a society we all knew that shit was just corrupt and and, and, and really just bogus things going on in the government but, like, now it's just so out in the spotlight, and it's just so obvious, you know, the murder and the corruption and everyone pocketing all our fucking tax money and then getting reelected over and over and over again. And it's like, why? Or why? You know? And, uh, people can't be that fucking dumb. And, uh, you know, and I think the the manipulation is is getting to a point where, uh, I, I mean, a lot of people are still super easy easily manipulated, and you can see that on social media with them just... Regurgitating what they're told to regurgitate by the news. Um, I'm trying yeah. to spread that message to everybody of brainwashed bullshit. But uh, there are a lot of people out there as well that see it for what it is, you know. And it's this whole they live scenario where, you, you know, it's, it's, y- y- you put those magic glasses on and all of a sudden it's like, oh, uh, this is all, uh, this is all meant to deceive and take advantage of everybody. Um,
2: so. Yeah, and you
1: almost can't fault them because they're being brainwashed from the time they're old enough to understand. And that that other boys, which is in a, a small minority of people in you know, the that's the one good thing about the, the internet. As much as it spreads, you know, a bunch of BS, there's also a lot of stuff out there that you wouldn't normally have access to, although it's becoming harder and harder to find. Because the powers that be are clogging up all the algorithms and stealing all the stuff. Like the other day, I just typed in a simple thing. Coronavirus briefing. What time is it at? Right? I got 30 negative stories on Trump before I could actually just find out what time it's at. You know, Yeah. that's not what it was. Not what like Google is supposed to be. If I type something specific, it shouldn't be hijacked. By a bunch of other propaganda, I should be able to find out when the, you know, arguably the most important meeting in our country is, off basis without having to go through, you know, three pages of stuff.
0: Yeah, the fucking—the Trump blaming is a great—it's a great example of the brainwashing that's going on, too, man. Like, everything is that guy's problem. He caught—he's the root of all problems in the world. Are you fucking for real? Like, who is buying that, you know? But people are, and they just hate the guy so fucking much— that they'll click on that stuff. Everybody's going to click on that. It does not matter what you say. If you put out a negative fucking thing about Trump, it's going to get a million clicks and a million likes, and people are going to go on there and just bandwagon the shit out of that. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be be fucking anything. It just has to be hateful uh, bullshit, you know, and people just eat it up, and it, it keeps fucking just spewing all over the Internet, and it's like the more people eat it up, the more these companies are pressured to put out that kind of clickbait you know i mean it's it's you yeah. put out what works and that's what works right now people are just blindsided by it they it's it's blind rage uh, you know on a societal level and it's it's really sad that the the media takes such advantage of people that are in such a state um but that seems to be just it's what's going on constantly, you know, and, uh, on both sides now, too. It's, game. it's the uh, It's the infinite soap opera of the political game. And, you know, it's such an extreme narrative they're trying to tell. They give you two different channels depending on how you want to imbibe your brainwashing, you know. You can be fucking hard right or hard left or, right, you know, a – anything on that spectrum yeah. they got the Fox News for the fucking people who love Trump and they got the CNN for people who hate Trump and they just blast you with propaganda yeah. and people eat it up and regurgitate it to everybody that'll listen and uh, I think and it's guess, all lies and just yeah, you're bullshit right. you're, uh, you know it's just get us yeah. all enraged and fighting with each other when really none of it fucking matters
1: divide and conquer divide and conquer yeah, yeah. So, just keep everybody fighting with each other so nobody concentrates on the real problems. Like, I would love to see a channel, right, where you have a right and a left independent, and they just debate everything with facts right there. And that's the one source. It's like, boom, boom, boom. They have to back up everything they say. There's no clickbait headlines, you know, but you will never see that. No,
0: that's That's not the entertainment. This This is entertainment for people. This is not a real political system you know the 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 whole thing is now it's become reality tv and that's all it's going to be for a while i think until people just stop watching it in droves like they do you know i mean they won't continue this fucking i mean well the news stations probably will understandably being that soros is trying to control the narrative of the fucking uh the political game but uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll just keep blasting it to people, but I mean, if we stop regurgitating it constantly and buying this fucking garbage product they're fucking selling us, uh, I think it'll help yeah. a lot with society. You know, you know, the saddest yeah, thing I see up. when I wake up in the morning, I always see this. Uh, it comes from both sides of the fucking spectrum, which is, uh, if you believe this bullshit, we're not friends anymore. Right. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. As a society, do we all just fucking go back to the sixth grade? Are we children? Can we not have a difference of opinion with each other? Yeah. You know. Even if I think you're a fucking dumbass, uh, that doesn't mean that we're not friends anymore. Grow up, man. Like that is—it's insane to me. You know, and people literally get in fucking huge fights. I was talking to a woman. uh uh, on a job site who uh started divorcing her husband she was like i'm divorcing that motherfucker he voted for trump and i was like damn bitch yeah you realize that you're the problem right like you are the issue not that he has an opinion and he voted for who he thought he should vote for whether or not you like that or not your behavior is not acceptable That's not okay, that's not what we do when somebody has a different view than us, you know? We can be mature people about this. And uh, there's just the yelling and the screaming and all the hate, it just doesn't get anywhere. It's not, and it's definitely not gonna convince anybody of your viewpoint. It's gonna ultimately push people away from your viewpoint when you just meet people with hate and uh, that kind of venom all the time. It's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, you just end up with a bunch of, you know, like-minded, insane people just telling each other how great they are and and can no longer use critical thinking for anything. Yeah. It becomes so much of their, their personality and soul that even if one day they realized that they were completely wrong, they can no longer even admit it because it's everything. It's their whole being.
0: Yeah, it defines them as a character and defines them as a person. Yeah, Yeah, they're Their political party. I view it, um, see, I'm not much of a sports ball fan, um, but uh, I see extreme similarities between um, being a team of a sports, uh, being a fan of a sports team and being a fan of a political party or a political candidate. And uh, it really does not matter if they're winning or losing or doing dumb bullshit. Um, you've picked your team, and now it's rah rah rah, rah rah rah, and nothing else matters, you know. And it's fu- and it's just like like you said, no critical thinking on any subjects. It's just like my decision has been made up for me by the people that tell me how to make my mind up. You know? Yeah. I, I decided a long time ago I was this color and uh, I'm blue or I'm red and then whatever they fucking tell me to think, I'm going to fight f- to the death for it. And it's like, man, that it's is like fucking it, it, ridiculously it's stupid.
1: It's crazy. It's insane and you're totally right. And I am a sports fan yeah, but I've never been like I've always been more into kind of like betting sports and trying to figure out what's going on. So I've never been like a diehard fan fan. You know, I have my teams I root for, but I would never like ever even think of ever getting in a fight over it. Oh my God, I like the Raiders and you like the Broncos. We can't be friends. It's insane. The players don't even care. The players will go from the rival to the other rival for whatever amount of money makes sense. Like, you're literally arguing about a color, like an emblem. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even matter to the people that are doing it.
0: Yeah, the team you know, changes, the coaches the change.
1: Day. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. It's like having your two friends play, a, you know, a video game and, and fighting with each other because of the team that they picked. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah. It's you know, it all goes under the same umbrella of, of brainwashing, you know, people that can no longer use critical thinking, or maybe they never even develop that skill. You know, they can't take evidence. They can only take what they've been told, you know. You need to go this way and never see a conflicting view, you know. This is it. It can only be this way. Because my dad told me that, or yeah. my uncle or my teacher That's some really scary shit when you have the teachers now telling political views. I don't remember ever having a teacher telling me political views in the 80s, you know? I imagine it wouldn't have went over too well.
0: Yeah, that's unacceptable shit, man. Like, they shouldn't have anything to do with that. Talking about that kind of stuff in class is is just insanely uh, inappropriate, and uh, it should not be allowed at all. You know, that's Uh, because now you're sitting there with a class full of 35 people or whatever and so 17 of them fucking go one way and 18 go the other way and you're going to just fucking belittle those 17 people that don't agree with you or whatever um and try to force your agenda on people when they're trying to get an education you know it's just like fuck you man you know it rules
1: the world you know that whole that whole thing really does rule the world when you have like a society of people that think that way. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter, man. If, if somebody knows that you like Trump or a certain sector knows that you're anti-Trump, there's people that no matter what, you're not getting that gig, that job, whatever that is, they're holding that against you. They cannot say it or whatever, Instead, that if somebody would just take it. Yeah, you, take, take, a, take a second when you have a disagreement And just try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and think about where they're coming from why are they mad about it it takes a lot of mental discipline to do that but i try to do that every chance i can and uh you know it makes it a little easier maybe to come to some sort of understanding in the middle if two people think that way yeah you know
0: and you don't have to agree with people but you can like make an effort to understand their point of view you know and then you can take that information and say well I don't agree with this information but thank you for the conversation you know and you have your point of view I have my point of view Uh, and and I'm going to keep my point of view but this has been enlightening you know as opposed to you can go fuck yourself and fuck your candidate and fuck everybody that's you uh that that thinks the way you think that's uh that doesn't get anybody anywhere that's such a regression in our society and the civil politics that we're trying yeah. to put out, you know, where everybody is, you know, supposed to be loved and cared for, and and everybody's important, you know, except for people that don't agree with me. That's the one. I think I, yeah, it's fucking.
1: Ridiculous. They're not important. Yeah, pretty wild. Pretty wild, wild stuff. Indeed.
0: So let's move to something a little lighter. I know uh, politics is a little heavy, and we've been talking about it for fuck forty-five minutes. We've already done the whole thing on politics. That's amazing. Ah, uh, you are, uh, in addition to a uh, good conversationalist, an author and a songwriter, and we happen to have some music of yours right now. And ah. hang on a second, let's see what we got going on here. Oh, there it goes. This is Music Don't Pay the Bills.
2: At first glance into the music business, the average person sees fame, fortune, and everything that goes with it. In reality, record sales have been declining at an alarming rate. The effects are catastrophic. Record store closures, record company closures, and band breakups. More shocking than streaming statistics with 5 million streams Less than 200 in royalties. Musicians are left answering the same question. How do I pay the bills? Put that guitar down. Don't make another sound. You'll be lost and never found. Just keep that shit around. If oh,
0: He's stuck in a rut. Don't let it nice, 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 nice. Music won't pay the bills. I dig that shit. I always love having uh, music on the podcast. I am a musician myself and a huge fan of the arts. Uh, so uh, yeah, how'd you do that? Uh, where'd you record that song at? And who's uh, who's playing on that with you?
1: Let me tell you this: where the whole thing stems from is, I wrote a book on "Music Won't Pay the Bills," self self published book. Put out like two months ago, and it's about um, it's about my story with my love for music, how I kind of got into it, it um, you know, kind of like uh, saved my life in a way. As far as like, as far as I think it kept me out of a lot of trouble that I might have got in when I was younger. I started, learned how to play guitar, and I just had this knack for songwriting from the time I was a kid, and it's just kind of like my story about what it was like to try to make it in music. It's all over the landscape of Vegas. And it goes into my um, 20s when I eventually had to quit my band and stuff, uh, mostly because of this neurological disease that I had that I wasn't aware of. And uh, when I say music won't pay the bills, it sounds kind of negative, and I'm not saying music won't pay the bills for everyone. It was a conversation that I had with my father when I got to a point of, look, because I told him, look, man, I want to get out of school. I want to pursue this music thing. Instead of going to school, I want to go and get a job and buy gear. And I was already playing, like, bars and stuff at 14 and had some people around. It's all in the book. But um, he just told me, well, what happens, you know, if music won't pay your bills? Where are you going to be? And that whole thing kind of echoed in my head as I got older and uh, things weren't working out financially for music, you know, like I hope they would. But it was just kind of like, I think a lot of artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, anybody that's gonna go through life in our society and and try to, you know, blaze their own path, you know, not take the safe road. I think they've all will come in to some sort of like, uh, be criticized by people they love or peers or, you know, just friends and stuff that are, say, you know, chances of making out or this, it's slim, it's hard. But, you know, people do it and it pushes you. And my whole point in the whole book is that ultimately, yeah, music didn't pay my bills, but I got a ton of value out of learning, out of playing music, creating songs. To this day, like, like when, uh, when GarageBand came out and I started finding a way, to create music again without basically having to play guitar. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like a second shot at that part of my life again. You know, it's just amazing and it's so uplifting. Dealing with um, a neurological disease, you start to really uh, appreciate the little things in life. You know, um, and I always took the attitude of instead of uh, worrying about what I can no, no longer do, I'm gonna be grateful for what I can do, you know, right now. Like right now today, I can do this, this, and this. I may not be able to do it a year from now, but right now I'm glad I can. And there was uh, some great inspiring stories I saw, like, I don't know if you know about like Jason Becker. Are you familiar with Jason Becker? Yeah, yeah, Jason yeah of Becker? course. You know, he's been living with uh, ALS for over 20 years. This guy just made a phenomenal help And all he can do is blink his eyelids and he composed a whole album of beautiful music. And I'm like, you know, like whenever I start to feel down about my own physical limitations, I think, man, if Jason was in my shoes and could physically do what I could do, that would be like a a lease on life for him. So how can I feel bad? This guy had more than I ever had and lost 10,000 times more than I have. You know, and I think it just, You know, life becomes about perspective and it's uh, the music won't pay the bills thing is just a whole thing of like even if you hear that in life from people, no matter what it is, you just got to do what's going to make you happy or else you're never going to be happy. You know, I think if I would have went another direction, you know, like went to college or went to school and pursued something I didn't want to do to make other people happy. Now, without I'm in my forties, I would have had this constant thing of, you know, what if, what what could I have done if I've only done did this or that? You know, instead I got in with this disease and my wife and I went on and had a great wife together, which we still do, and we did all kinds of cool stuff. And I did way much more, really, after being disabled than I did before that. But I have all of these things, like, when you're a musician or an artist or whatever, there's some things in the world you can't buy. You cannot buy the ability to play music. You have to practice it. You, all the money in the world isn't gonna enable you to pick up a guitar and play. And that's such a magical moment. You know, a lot of my friends are musicians and stuff and some of us like get so uh, intertwined in the business part of it you forget you know why you went there for the first in the first point and as I started writing this book you know all these cool memories came back like my very first show and how exciting that was like I explained in there like like I have a room full of people friends and I'm playing at the Moby Grape and I'm 14 years old like they literally said you can come in the back and go out the back like i wasn't. those there. days yeah you know it was pretty wild and i remember being so nervous as we're going into the last beat of the song are they gonna boo us are they gonna clap and when you hear that reaction from a positive crowd of a song that you wrote to me it's just like such a beautiful part of life i wish everyone could experience it you know so uh that's the book's about that sort of thing and the song that you just played was such an amazingly cool thing. I wrote this song with a long time ago. I was just kind of like getting in a garage band and I was starting to write all this different stuff that I could have never done before. Cause I was always in like rock and metal bands. And you know, you don't think about writing like a hip hop type of song or you're writing stuff that makes sense with what you're doing, you know? So I had this weird voice in my head that kept saying music won't pay the bills. Music won't pay the bills. It's like a black eyed piece kind of thing in my head. <laughs> and as I wrote this song, I thought about the title and I'm like, oh man, this would be cool to do this. So my wife, you know, is Alex Goldstein Entertainment. And she uh, has had a bunch of cool events in town and you know, met a bunch of cool people that are friends and stuff. And uh, the last couple of years, they always throw me like a huge birthday party. You know, one year they surprised me and had people learn a bunch of my songs and went there and they played a concert of just stuff I wrote. And this year, uh, Mike Varney, you know, the, the owner of No Records- Oh yeah, I know Mike. Is a big friend of ours. And he was talking to us and he goes, look, you know, this year for Danny's birthday, let's let him pick one of his songs and we'll have a party and we'll go down to, to uh, Danny Coker's studio Desert Moon. Desert Moon, and, uh, and record the song, you know? So I'm like, wow, that's cool. And I just wrote the book, and I was thinking, you know, it'd be cool to have like a soundtrack song for the book. And all of these cool people got involved. Phil Verone played drums, you know, he was in Saigon Kick and Skid Row. Uh, Tony Curtis, he's always just been a great friend. Played, Barney played on it. Um, I had Paul from Systemic, who's a great musician. Tyler from Alligator Blood, he's a good friend of mine. Um, Mariah Baldwin and uh, and um, Chris Logan who was in uh, the Michael Schenker group. And God, I hope I'm not forgetting someone. Barry Barnes, my friend AJ uh, produced it. And then uh, Phil Verone came in a few months later and he brought the track over to an, another studio and they finished it because everybody's scheduled. got so crazy. I mean, I'm sitting there trying to schedule eight or nine different people together. Even Mike Gillies, the uh, engineer that worked with Metallica for years and years and years came in and started helping on it. And and we took that crazy song and we put it pretty much all together in one day, you know? And uh, we've been going back and tracking other solos and stuff, but it was just an amazingly fun situation. And what I decided to do is I'm going to write, like, a whole uh, theater production, kind of like a hard rock version of Hamilton. You know, it's going to be like a theater production of music won't pay the bills. And it's just going to be about the whole love of music and and the whole mindset of the whole musician thing. So it's a, it's a project in the works.
0: That's awesome. That's a big project, man, putting together a big yeah, production it, like it, that. Man it is it's just gonna be
1: uh it's quite a challenge but i got about four songs done for it and i have to literally like figure out how to do a screenplay for it but i have a bunch of ideas i think it'll be like really rewarding just even if nothing happens commercially with it it'll be just a really cool mountain to climb if i can pull it off
0: yeah, it's always great to put a big mountain in front of yourself man i love having a big project and a big challenge to overcome uh that's what this podcast has been for yeah. me you know learning that every week i add something new to the podcast learn a new skill it's great you know that's what life's about challenging yourself and creating experiences and memories man i'm stoked for you yeah you know, just a real, you.
1: it's really cool you can just take something that's in your head you know it just starts like a a little idea and it seems so insurmountable and as you sit there and just chip away at the stone, as they say, eventually it becomes something. And it's, you know, I've always loved that part of it.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, man, we are coming up on the hour right now. I love it. That, po- that is, uh, is always great. I love getting an hour out of a podcast, man. And, uh, yeah, it's been great uh, having you on here, Mr. Danny Goldie, Jr., uh, you also, you mentioned, uh, Tyler Lawson, you said you were on the, uh, uh track on the new Alligator Blood album with Tyler, uh, Dance fucking yeah, Dance, is that what it is?
1: Uh, yeah, I wrote this chant, this track called Dance, and, uh, I met Tyler, it must have been two or three years ago now, and we became friends, and I love the sound of, of his band and his vocals. And I told him, hey, man, I got this song, you know. You want to check it out? Maybe you guys can can play it or record it or whatever. And it was kind of like a a process. And then his uh, guitar player, producer Christian, took it. And they kind of, uh, I like to say, they kind of added a few pints of alligator blood into it. And uh, it became this really cool track. And I was honored they put it on their album. And uh, it's really cool. Dig it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, well, uh, I'll definitely put a link to the uh, Alligator Blood album down on the uh, descriptions below. And uh, we actually have Tyler Lawson coming in uh, for a podcast in a couple weeks, so definitely check that out. Uh, I think he'll be coming up in the next two or three podcasts we do, we we'll we have having Tyler Lawson here. Uh, I don't know if you know a good friend of mine. I've been <laughs> known Tyler for a long time, played in uh, Cracker Man together, and uh, the guy's a madman. Yeah. Guy. I friggin' love Tyler. He's one of my favorite people in the world man, he's so cool. You guys
2: did the coolest uh, local
1: TV performance ever in the history of, of the world.
0: Oh yeah, we're almost at that, sh- dude. That's almost at six million views. I was, uh, I got uh, shared that again the other day. I can't believe that video is almost at six million views. Just us uh, smashing up all those guitars on uh on that morning podcast or that morning television show. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Tyler that's always smash shit. Knew-
1: Yeah, that's before I ever met Tyler, and I was cracking up when I saw that. You know, some people locally were, like, you know, saying stuff about it negative. And I'm like, that's great. I mean, that's what it's about. Get out there and and get attention and and do it up. That
0: was so entertaining. We wanted the negative press. We wanted people to, you know, we wanted to kind of be the heel, uh, as it were, like, for uh, wrestling. You know, we were those dickheads who were going to smash everything. and. Piss everyone yeah. off and get banned from every venue, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, man. I wouldn't take any of that back for anything, man. That was probably one of the funnest bands I ever played in, was with fucking Tyler you know you and, and Shit, that was so great.
1: And, and, and that was great.
0: Yeah, oh, that was you know that was one of the best times, man. We he, so yeah, but we'll have him on. We'll ha- we'll be talking about the uh, old days, I'm sure, and uh, talking about his new uh, new project Alligator Blow with his new album. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having Tyler on, man. And uh, yeah, and again, man, I uh, I really enjoyed our conversation, Danny. You've been amazing. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Uh, so let's see here. We got uh, you can check out Danny Goldstein at uh, Danny Goldstein Music on Facebook. Of course, we have uh, his book, uh, the new book, out on Amazon. Uh, Music won't pay the bills, uh, and that's available by uh, Goldie Jr. And you can see it on the screen there. Yeah, it's very nice, very nice. And uh, yeah, we'll put the uh, we'll put the link to the Alligator Blood album down there as well. You can go pick that up. Uh, I know that that's available on Spotify as well as uh, I'm sure iTunes and other. Uh, any place you can get music Tyler's pretty efficient at that stuff so uh, I'm sure it's everywhere Uh, but yeah once again man thank you so much Danny and uh, yeah if you want to give a shout out to anybody before we head out man uh, we're going to play your uh, we're going to play some music for uh, a little bit more music won't pay the bills as we cut out man
1: thanks for having me and I just want to say hi Alice I love you Bear and that's about it hi everybody else
0: well thank you so much again Danny and uh, yeah here here is uh we'll fade the rest of the podcast out with the uh, the extended version of music won't pay the bill
2: souls and round and round they come. they stop, I probably know. It no. Music won't the won't pay the We're clubs back, we walk the track. track. He's a groove infection. infection. A nuclear detection. A Vagra direction. A life without rejection.